His name is Kane, and, well, he's afraid of rodeos. Not quite. Alright, he's the deformed clone of Peter Parker, struggling to find his way throughout the mean streets of Houston, Texas. This episode of Bone Saga Chronicles covers issues 13, 14, 15, and 16. Also, don't mention wolves around Kane. For some reason, he gets a little agitated. You'll see why next, here on Clone Saga Chronicles, episode 34. In the midst of wolves. And a good old-fashioned rodeo. Whoa! I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see? I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. I dyed my hair and changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero of the Scarlet Spider, it really made him angry. The next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't you just tell me I was a clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. You're coming apart. Welcome back, Cloneheads. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Zach Joyner. This is episode 34 of Clone Saga Chronicles. I'm joined this episode once again by Gerard Delatour. Hello. And Mr. Greg XB. Greetings and salutations. So this episode, we're going to cover four issues. We're going to cover issues 13, 14, 15, and 16 of Scarlet Spider. These came out in January through April of 2013. So we are finally almost done with... Well, we've just now started the second year now, so... But in this episode, we'll be a quarter of the... Well, no, a third of the way through the year, so it's exciting. I guess. All right. <laughs> Depends on your perspective, so... Yeah, I know, because the rest of the year after... Well, even including these, is just like, ew. I, I, look, look, Zach, I know we have our arguments about the quality of uh, Scarlet Spider, but I, I don't think there's any argument that the first year is much better than the second. Oh, I won't disagree with that. Uh-huh. Uh, so, anyway, uh, there is no news, no iTunes reviews, no voicemails, and no emails. What the hell? Seriously. Nothing this episode. Send Zach an email, people. It's clonesuckerchronicles at gmail.com. Or leave us an iTunes review. We will read it on the air. Okay, so uh, with that out of the way, I suppose, we got... Uh, Issue 13, and, I, and Gerard is doing all the rundowns of In the Midst of Wolves, right? Right, I just sort of lumped them together. It's not a very long... Well, it's about the length of one of my regular Clone Saga Chronicles recaps, but I'm talking about all three issues together here. Okay, so uh, what we're going to do, we're going to have him run down the entire uh, arc, and then we'll discuss it, and then we'll discuss issue 16, because it's a one-shot. Mm-hmm. So that's what we'll do. All right. Thank God. <laughs> because, uh, yeah. Tell us how you really feel, Jordan, or what you're about to. <laughs> All right, Jordan. Give us, the, give us the rundown of issues 13, 14, and 15. Yep, 13, 14, and 15, which, as he mentioned, is called In the Midst of Wolves, parts 1, 2, and 3. Uh, In the Midst of Wolves, of <laughs> check out these credits here. You're going to love this. It's written by Chris Yost. Is penciled by Koi Pham for parts one through three, Neil Edwards in part three, and Paolo Sakara in part three. Inked by Tom Palmer, parts one and two, Terry Palo, parts one to three, Bit, parts one through three, Wong, part two. I don't know who, which Wong that is. There's no first names on the uh, inker credits. Carl Kessel for part two, Koi Pham on part three, and Victor Olazaba on part three. There are seven inkers <laughs> for this one arc. Seven. Three three pencilers, seven inkers. And three colors, apparently, because uh, it's also colored by Fabio Diario for part one, Andres Mosa in part one, and Antobio, Antonio Fabella did parts one through three. We begin with a gang of gunrunners looking for their hideout, only to discover that 
the wolves, quote-unquote, a man and a woman that identify themselves as the Lobo Cartel, need the gang, which is confusing because it looks like they killed everybody in the warehouse or whatever, but they say they need the gang to help them look for a girl. Meanwhile, Scarlet Spider is running himself ragged across Houston as he tries to shut down the, all of the human trafficking he can find over a span of multiple days. Araceli has some uh, confusing LSD nightmares about the rise of Mixlad, which for those who, who didn't bother to look it up on Wikipedia is the Aztec underworld. So she goes for a walk later that, that night with Kane. While they're in a park, they're confronted by the Lobos. Kane gets Araceli out of there and suits up, but he's attacked and thoroughly beaten by the Lobos, who can apparently transform into wolves. As part one ends, they begin to eat him alive. Part two begins with Kane dying on a rooftop, while the Lobos turn their attention to Araceli, chasing her through the streets. Meanwhile, it's Kane's Kane's turn to have an LSD nightmare, because he's sitting in a... uh, in like a church, and somebody, a priest, asks him to confess his sins. Specifically, he talks about, uh, he sees Louise Kennedy, so they talk about his murder of her, his quote-unquote torture of Ben Riley, and his quote-unquote betrayal of the jackal. Uh, yeah, I'm not so sure about that last one. You, we, we can agree on the first two. He definitely murdered Louise, and he definitely tortured Ben, but I'm not so sure uh, that betraying the jackal is really a sin or anything. But suddenly, yeah. the uh, the priest turns into a bunch of spiders in humanoid form, thus beginning a shitty reenactment of the other, which was pretty bad enough to begin with. Back in reality, a bunch of spiders begin to wrap Cain in a cocoon of web. Meanwhile, Araceli leaves the wolves into the territory of, quote-unquote, the Sharks, a very stereotypical black gang that immediately opens fire on them. Araceli makes her escape during the battle that ensues, while up on the rooftop, Kane emerges from the web cocoon as a humanoid spider. Which sounds pretty familiar to those who read Amazing Spider-Man. Uh-huh. Uh, in part three, which, by the way, has three pencilers and five inkers, Araceli hides from the wolves and has a flashback to her kidnapping by the human traffickers that happened before the series started where we see that she was given supernatural powers, somehow, to survive the ordeal and to, quote, make the world bleed. Back in the present, she's discovered by the Lobos, but the spider-humanoid cane comes to the rescue, battling and severely injuring the Lobos before they make their escape. Kane then attacks Araceli before she makes a, a fairly standard plea to his humanity that leads him to escape from his spidery shell. And I mean that literally, as, if he, as in he somehow rips off the spider body off of himself and is suddenly hobo cane again underneath with the long hair and the beard and stuff afterwards he begins to reintegrate into his life getting a haircut getting his tattoos redone which confuses the hell out of the tattoo artist and having dinner with his friends the arc ends with a rapid sequence of strange teasers that i think i'm going to leave to zach to explain because i couldn't make heads of tails with them and i quit reading this after the next arc zach please explain it to us Yes. Okay, run down the teasers and I'll I'll explain them as we go. Okay, so there's this is on issue fifteen, the last four pages. Okay, the first, there's a panel with uh, Julia Carpenter in Lennox Hill Hospital, and she mutters Kane, and her her boring daughter is sitting there going, "Mom." Uh, okay. Then the second panel is uh, it's this panel that says between worlds, and it's it's a spider. It's a pair of red eyes with a bunch of action lines flying out of them, going spider, spider. <laughs> no, the, no nostalgia critic. This is not that Lost in Space movie from '98. And then the third panel on that page it says the end of all things. And someone is saying the other has ascended. The culling will begin soon. As they sit in a warehouse full of bones. I think the first two have everything to do with Shathra, if I'm remembering. Mm-hmm. I mean, she didn't. Re- uh, like, because well, issue the, the, 16... The, the, well, the beginning... The be- yeah, I was going to say, the issue 16 begins with the note that Julia wrote to Kane. Yeah. And ev- all the uh, brown letters in the note spell out Shathra. Yes. We should probably explain who Shathra is. She was the uh, the weird she, spider she was the spider lady boss. from the other. Yeah, she from, was... No, she, no. She, she was, was the, the other, spider she, boss. Yeah, from, that was during the JMS run before the other. Yeah, oh, yeah, when, yeah, you're right. Before you're Peter right. and MJ reunited, she went on TV saying she had an affair with Spider-Man and... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm confusing her with the other spider chick that shows up in the other. Miss Arrow. That I'm, Miss Arrow. Yes, thank you. She was in uh, mostly in Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. She became a character there. 
Yeah, uh, but yes, exactly. Peter David was the only one that did anything with it. Um, Shathra supposedly was killed at the end of that arc, but apparently uh, somebody decided that she wasn't dead. Yeah, uh, we should, no one's ever dead. Yeah, we should probably mention that more specific. I'm remembering the arc now. Uh, 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 Peter travels down to was it South America, Africa, somewhere around there with uh, with um, what's his name Ezekiel. Right, and then they lead Shathra into some spider temple, and she's eaten alive by a bunch of spiders. No, 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 no. That was <laughs> you're thinking of Ezekiel's death. That was the book of Ezekiel. This is no, 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 no. Isn't no. that what happened to Shathra? She went to the forest of like the pit, right? Like, like they oh. they lured her into some pit and let the whatever take care of her. <sighs> let me look. It's been years since I've read these, man. Same. I mean. I just, I just remember the, show. the other had so much rereadability to it. And that is a terrible sentence, and I was an English major. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to remember. I think the Shathra arc was the last one before Mary Jane came back. What happened was they lured her to that temple, right? The Shathra. She gets eaten alive by whatever's down there, which I think is, yep, it's a bunch of spiders. I'm flipping through the issue right now. A bunch of spiders, quote unquote, eat her alive, or so we thought. And then after that is the issue where he and Mary Jane meet in the airport and so on and such, and they get back together and stuff. Yay. Um, but what about the uh, the third panel here? And thing? It says, the end of all things, and somebody's sitting on a chair going, the other has ascended. The culling will, begins, will soon begin. And there's a room full of bones and stuff. Oh, that's Norman Osborn. This book is a throwback to the 90s, no... and Osborn is behind everything. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's not Norman Osborn. I have no idea on that one. That'd be a Chris Yost question. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You mean they didn't resolve that by the end of the series? I don't I don't think... I don't remember if they did or not. Maybe Ooh. it'll be resolved in New Warriors. Oh, yeah. that's weird. Well, there's still three more pages of teasers. All right, so then the next page of teasers is Araceli sleeping, and some weird molester-looking guy in a in in classic headdress, like Aztec headdress, says, "Mixlan rises. rises." Then there's a panel of a hummingbird. Then there's a panel of somebody, That's- possibly Araceli, saying, "The sixth creation comes and eating a heart." Then Araceli wakes up, says, "It requires blood," and then she gets out of bed. We we will make the world bleed. That I think is being picked up in. New Warriors. It okay, it's talked about. <laughs> so swinging a miss again on solving these things by the end of the issue. No, of the no, it, it was that making the world bleed. I think actually directly references issue twenty five final page because when they go back to when they're in Mexico, they are on the beach, and the last line of the of the book is "Why is the uh, water red?" Hmm. And that's that's what that's all about, probably. Okay, now there's. The, the the next vague teaser is a uh, in Mexico. In, in Mexico, uh, the Lobos are there. I think the the brother appears to have lost an arm here. Okay. And then uh, some some dude walks in with like a beard and a cane and a, like a pet wolf or something. Looks like Roderick Kingsley. And he's threatening them. And then he he breathes some pink mist at the uh, at the brother. And he and then he and then he's like, you know, you better take care of business. And like, you know, she's still alive. You got to go get her. That also has not been uh, resolved. And apparently, the Aztec God of War is awakening. Yeah, the uh, that old man. If you if you if you remember Gerard, uh, that old man actually was in issue six. The end of that issue, when they had a bunch of teasers in issue six. So he, so his only appearances so far are in two teasers that are never resolved. Yeah. But yeah, he, he's like he's like one of the guys pulling the strings and like with all the Mexican related. He's like the uh, Judas traveler of this series. Yeah, like he doesn't do anything, but he just keeps showing up all the time. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a very good way of putting it. <laughs> oh my god! Hell, he could be, he could be Judas traveler. He sort of looks like him. Please no. <laughs> I was thinking it looks like Roderick Kingsley in a cowboy hat. Current Roderick well, Kingsley okay. with the beard. Well, you know what? The two of us clearly put more thought into this character than the goddamn people writing this series. <laughs> I'm whenever sorry, we have Chris Yost, fair. <laughs> yeah, whenever we have Chris Yost on the show, we'll have to ask him. I don't know why he's going to be on this. Oh, wait a second. I'm sorry. This teaser continues to the next page where uh, he throws Lobo Girl across the room, and there's a bunch of, like, people behind him. He has, like, a team of supervillains, it looks like. Who, I guess, are a bunch of... They have the fire guy from the first two issues. 
And then a bunch of other people we haven't seen before who look like elementals of some kind. Well, you also trying to to do a little tribute to Aztec mythology. We'll see. I don't know how well it's working, but tell you one thing, it's not working in this issue. Yeah. Who it's a lot, I can't pronounce this. Awakens. <laughs> yeah. No idea. Well, Weetzi Lapochli is like the... Uh, I explained this in a previous episode, and I can't even remember. So go back and listen to any previous episode where we talk about this series. At some point, I, I described the entire thing. I think you, yeah, I think you described it in uh, episode 22, 23. I don't remember. I don't really feel... Honestly, I don't really feel like doing that. <laughs> I'll, 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 like I'll, make, I'll, I'll make an editor's note later. Okay. Yeah, I think part of the problem is, is that this series tries to do what wasn't too popular about JMS's run and inject way too much mysticism and this and they do it even more here than JMS did. And amazingly they they do it more but they do less with it cuz they never yeah. resolve any of it. I mean th- this could work in say a Doctor Strange or a Thor comic but or better yet it can work in an arc where it isn't the overarching theme of the entire series because if it's the overarching theme of the entire series and you never get to it it just ends up wasting tons of space. Because I don't see how Kane himself has any thematic connections to Aztec mythology. Oh, he doesn't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At least not that with that. That's for all we know. That, that, there's some master plan behind the scenes where it totally works out. But God knows, I haven't seen it. And that's part. That's part of the problem I have with these damn let's tease cryptic things cryptically stuff that always happens in comics, especially nowadays. I don't mind it when it's done well. I just don't think. Then again, we didn't get to see the end game here, but I think. I don't think Yost did the comic any favors by stretching this out the way he did. No, honestly, this should have been resolved by the end of the first year. Should have never Agreed. even gone to the second year. Because I mean, let's be honest, okay? I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be straight here. If you're the writer of a Scarlet Spider series, you better damn well expect that to be canceled very quickly. So there's no reason to start creating all of these long-winded subplots if you if the rug's yeah. gonna get pulled out from under you at any second, which is apparently what exactly what happened because he got caught with his pants down and had to try to resolve everything in an issue or two and it didn't work. If I was the writer of a Scarlet Spider series, I would make his arch nemesis. The Jackal or somebody like that, not servants of the Aztec God of War. Yeah, there, there's so many... It's just bizarre. It's like, at some point, you have to you have to balance the idea of... I don't know, job security is not the correct term, but, you know, ability to be published security versus the, the needs of storytelling. I mean, and this is, like, this is a clear case where the, the needs of how you publish this book should have taken precedent. Yeah, and to me, it also feels like making Loki the Norse God of Mischief, the Punisher's arch-enemy. Yeah, right. Exactly. It doesn't make any. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. At all. Or 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 if maybe it does in Chris Yost's head, but again, we never got to see it because he never got to it. And he had twenty five issues too because he introduces in the very first story. It's it's some combination of getting caught with his pants down, procrastination, or both. Yeah, because he's a very good writer. I genuinely like his stuff. I just, I mean, I'm willing to give him the benefit of of the doubt and see how this plays out in the Warriors. I think that. Well, but you got to take into account too. You had at least four or five of the issues that were purposely done to capitalize on whatever movie was coming out. <laughs> I'm like, I know you're looking right at that Wolverine arc that's coming up. Yes, I, I, mean, I remember me saying really? that to make it fun of that at the time that it was coming out. I'm like, oh Jesus. Yeah, yeah, because we did we did that with issue five. Remember, we had when we had the uh, needless yeah. cameo of Black Nick Fury. Agent Coulson and Iron Man, who doesn't do anything the entire issue. Yeah, and we know what a mark of quality that issue was. Uh, I don't know. It just leaves me frustrated when things like this happen. Because he had played, he had over two years to take care of this, and he never did. And now I think he was. And now we get some vague promise that it might maybe be touched on in New Warriors. I have no reason to believe that he's going to come through on that. And New Warriors is right in the same boat from the very first issue, where it's like you're just looking at the clock, waiting for it to be canceled. Yeah. So I wouldn't. I give it a- the same god thing happens where, where where it gets canceled after eight issues or something, and if you never get a resolution for it. I mean, I applaud him for being ambitious, but at the same time, it just makes. I no- think he was, he's what he's trying. What he was trying to do was make a mega arc, and <laughs> instead of instead of having minor resolutions to that mega arc, he just kept bringing more ideas. To, to, to bring in the JMS thing that we mentioned before, JMS could get away with a mega arc because he was writing The Amazing Spider-Man. 
which is a book that's not going to get canceled. And he's a big name writer who's not just suddenly going to get fired. So like he could do a slow burn. I mean, how many years did it take for him to get through that totem mark? He kept bringing it back here and there, but it was a good. For the most part, it ended with Ezekiel right before. I think 508 is where Ezekiel dies, right? He came, I think JMS came in in 2002, and Civil War was 2006, so... Some, yeah, that was... No, he, past there's, there's really two parts of JMS's run. Part one is where, when his run with Romita Jr. ended. That was 508. No, it was 507. That was 507. Are you sure? It was 508. I think 508 was the first part of Since Past. Yes. Uh, whatever. 507, 508, whatever the hell it is. <laughs> yeah, then the other came back in. And... The point is, the last J.R. Jr. issue is the one where Ezekiel dies, and that puts to bed the uh, the the main yes. thrust of the... Of his of his arc. mega arc, and then... Other than, became... other than how it got touched up a little bit later with the other, but... Yeah, but the other was such a poorly constructed story, apparently, that... I don't even count that as part of the, the yeah. whole... Arc that it came that, it, was just a, it was just a postscript. Yeah, I think it was editorially mandated, even. I don't even think JMS wanted to do it. Yeah, but I'm just trying to no. do math in my head, because he took over with volume two, number 30, right? So that's 471. Yes, 471. Which means that it took him 30, it took him 37 issues, his giant myth arc, so that's about three years. And also he had just come off of Babylon 5, which was a five-season myth arc. Yeah, and again, he was a big damn writer, and then he was going to suddenly yank the rug out from under him. And the no, yeah, wasn't going to be. Yeah, I mean, well, and he did it much better. I mean, yeah, whereas Yost is not a big name writer, even though I mean, yeah, he did Avengers or Mightiest Heroes. He's working for the movie studios now, but yeah, at the same right. time, but, only hardcore geeks like us know who he is. Yeah, and he was writing a series that was shaky to begin with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I predicted it was going to get canceled in the first year. Well, we all did it last year. We got late, but it got canceled in two years. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that Kane was brought back. I love the character of Kane, and I'm glad he's still around. And yeah, well, and I think that I think that the things that Yost did absolutely just could have blown. I think that that's the thing with Yost, especially with the Spider-Man titles, is that he he starts off so strong, but by the end of his run, because we saw this also with Superior Team Up. It just it falls flat on its face because there's still there's other things like the jackal stuff that you don't you don't get any resolution to. And correct me if I'm wrong, because again I stopped reading after the Wolverine arc. Doesn't he start having a co-writer after that? So he wouldn't uh, even write the book by himself anymore. He had somebody else help him. He's, yeah, he, after after um, sibling rivalry, which is the 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 superior team up crossover. Yes, I think mm-hmm. he was. He had a co-writer the rest of the time. Hmm. Well, he, which, well, there, well, there you go. I, 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 I told you who the co-writer was. Yes. I told you, Greg, do you know who the co-writer is? No, I don't. Who was it? Okay, you remember the Alvaro boards? No. Okay, back in the 2002 to 2006 range, even earlier than that, uh, Alvaro comic boards, uh, Spider-Man message board was was the message board to go on if you want to talk about Spider-Man. Well, one of the mods that used to be the moderator there, his name's Eric. And Eric Latham is the same Eric that used to be the mod for the message board. I also think he did some work with um, Spider Fan, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So that that that's him in a nutshell. So basically, they pulled a guy off the street <laughs> and said, "Help Chris Hills finish this, this run that he doesn't no, want to anymore." I, 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 I think <laughs> I think he had written some other comic work before, but this I'm, is like sh- sure. I'm sure I'm, I'm I'm being a snarky jerk. You know um, what, Marvel, do that for me. Give me a boost like that. I want to write for a living. <laughs> So, so Greg, give us your thoughts about this issue, uh, sets of issues. Honestly, I did not like the other with Peter Parker, and I didn't like it with Kane. I mean, the art was okay. I mean, depending on which anchor was currently inking it, but um, which I, one of the seven? Yeah, one of the seven. But sometimes it looks okay, sometimes it didn't. I mean, I I admit I there are pages that aren't there are pages that aren't even inked. By the way, yeah, I did enjoy Kane's confession scene quite a bit, at least until it got to the jackal. And I'm thinking, why the hell would Kane feel bad about this? As I recall, Kane jumped in front of the jackal to take a hit for him, got killed, and when the jackal asked him why, he said, "Because you're my father." That's not betraying him. Um, no, that's not. No, 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 Kane, no, 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 no. Kane never betrayed the jackal. Period. I mean, the jackal was. Uh... Yeah, I, I think the whole point of that scene was to show that it's not, it wasn't real. Yeah, pro- that's true, that's true, man. It's, I mean, I get that. I just feel like it could have been better executed. I like it in theory, I mean. Then again, right. then again, I, I, can, 
I t- I'm not a religious person at all, but I tend to like confession scenes, even in these stories. I mean, the best scene in The Godfather Part 3 is Michael Corleone's confession. And so, yeah. did I just compare this story to The Godfather Part 3? Yeah, I think I did. And I don't regret doing that because it was a bad story and that was a bad movie. And they both had good confession scenes. Well, there you go. Yeah, it was a really bad movie that somehow got nominated for Best Picture. What? Oh, like that. What? Academy Awards? What? Yeah. 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 yeah it's the same year Goodfellas and Shawshank were nominated. No, Shawshank was Shawshank was later. It was, oh, right, it was right. like ninety four, ninety three, right, right, something right. like that. Yeah. Anyway, but um back yeah. to um back to the issues. I mean I thought the Lobos were had potential to be decent characters. It just I just think they didn't belong in this book. I mean there's the mysticism I mean Kane was a product of science. What's he doing in a book about magic and mysticism? But that's that's the kind of the point. It wants to illustrate the, the science versus magic, but it didn't do a good job of that. I, I get that. It, again, I, I enjoy science versus sorcery. I mean, quite a bit, but it's just it, it it didn't do a good job of it. And I think part of it is nobody likes the other. I don't. I mean, I like Christios a lot as a writer. I mean, even after this, I like him a lot as a writer. But why did he feel the need to go back to his? story that is pretty reviled and not even go back to it he virtually reenacted the entire story i mean there there are beats in this plot that are almost at times i wondered if it was just word for word I straight mean, out of the other some yeah, of the, what? it makes me wonder what's next what, what's next is kane gonna discover unknown children of gwen stacy <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna travel they're gonna they're gonna travel to a wonder gore mountain <laughs> oh no, 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 no. <laughs> they're gonna oh my god, Kane and the New Warriors. That's gonna be one of their earliest adventures. They're gonna travel one more. I don't want that to happen. Oh well the high evolutionary is supposed to show up. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> is that confirmed? I think that's confirmed, yes. Oh no. <laughs> Zach, I'm so sorry. Zach, I'm so sorry. <laughs> But if there's one positive to all this is that, once again, I think Yost has a very strong grasp on Kane as a character, and all his reactions and the way he talks throughout this story still flow naturally, even when the plot is stupid. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll agree with that. Gerard, what's your thoughts? Uh, uh, I have to mix in a little apology here. As I told Greg before we started, um, issue 13 was the last one I wrote a review for on the site. And then just a various combination of things just ended up, I just ended up dropping the reviews. So anybody that was reading those and enjoying them, I'm sorry. So sorry. Anyway, uh, on with this. I'm even more sorry that you guys had to read this at some point, because, oh my god, is this bad. Um, I'll, I'll give him credit for trying to move forward the whole overarching Aztec human trafficking Superpower Araceli plot. As much of a of a of a mess as that is, at least at some point they were getting to working on it. I think this is probably the most movement we ever got on this. I think the human traffic and stuff is fine. It's just to tie it to this Aztec mythology it makes no sense. I mean, Kane's a crime fighter in Houston, Texas, and uh, that's a problem down there. Science versus sorcery stories work if it's Doctor Doom versus Reed Richards. Yeah. It doesn't work if it's uh, a weird guy with a cane that walks around with a a wolf, or Iron Man, and has a and has a bunch of Aztec supervillains on his like super team, fighting a guy who is a clone of another guy who's out of t- who's living in a different city because he was trying to skip the country at some point. <laughs> I'm gonna say something which um I feel bad I'm about to say I'm about to hit myself for saying this but probably wonders if maybe the story would have worked better with Judas Traveler who does have some thematic connection with Cain stretches long way back. I mean I, I hate to agree with you but I do. I really do this this I don't know. Well it, I, it, I, it just, again I don't I don't remember. You have two different stories happening. I was gonna say I don't remember. I don't remember much interaction with Kane and Judas Traveler, other than that mock trial with during the uh, Mark of Kane arc. No, no, that was Travel Peter Parker, and then Mark. they had to travel Spider Man where Carnage was. Uh, no, 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 no. Those, yeah, the the the, the, the trial Spider Man. Yeah, it was, yeah, that happened during the Travel Peter Parker arc. That was oh, okay, that's two. right, that's right. Remember they that's they right, just yeah. opposed them against each other. That's right, and 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 Kane was the. Uh, wasn't he the the, the, the prosecutor? 
That's right. That's the only interaction that they had, though. Yeah. Huh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, uh, there are two different plots happening here. You have one with human trafficking, and you have one with mystical juju science and magic and stuff. And the human trafficking plot is a good, solid, interesting story for a story arc yeah. that takes place in a comic that's in Houston. Or you could if have... If you take the mystical angle out of it... Or, or relegate that to a different story, then we're fine. Yeah. Or make this a branch of the Kingpin's empire. Or, or just uh, yeah, which bring is, the it has previously. Yeah, we we established in what twelve point one that there's another guy in town that's doing human trafficking business. The Mark. Where is that guy? He's dead. Is, they they brought that whole. Well, I'm, I mean that in a figurative sense. Like, the kingpin right. took over his empire, but nothing comes of that. Like, that should have been this story. I don't know. I mean, there's, um, a ton, there's a ton of crime lords in the Spider-Man mythology they could have dusted off to use. I know, it's just really bizarre that you went out, they went out of their way in the previous goddamn issue to bring one in and then didn't use him for this. Which, which okay, let me just run a couple through a couple of my, my cons, because I have one thing I really need to talk to you guys about with regards to this issue, and it has to do with the Lobos. We'll get to that. Um, I hated the art i know like greg thought it was all right i didn't i i it was too inconsistent and i didn't like it enough to defend it to be perfectly honest zach will tell you this i don't like koi fan to begin with and when they announced he was going to take over as the regular artist i was very against it because i'm just not i just don't like his style it helps when he's inked by tom palmer but tom palmer was not around for most of this it seems he only inked parts of the first two stories and I don't know, the, the different succession of inkers, some pages weren't even inked. I mean, it was all over the place. For, and considering that he penciled almost all of it, it it's just shocking. I, I just, it, it, there's, you know, there's we, not enough there, story to follow without having such wildly divergent art throughout the whole thing that the artwork just makes it even more difficult to follow. And if the only purpose of art in comics is to help you follow the story, then that then you failed as an artist if you can't achieve that. But anyway, let me get off my soapbox here. Um, no, I don't disagree I, with you at all. Um, it, okay, what, what's, the, what, what's the major point that you're wanting to make? That... <laughs> well, just one little other minor thing. I don't know if this is really a complaint or not, but what a huge tonal shift from the bookend stories that's around it, 12 and, and 16. Oh boy. Just jump from 12 to 16 if you want to have some, some fun, entertaining stories. But oh, anyway, it's like watching Thor The Dark World and then watching the uh, mid-credits scene, which is like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought the entire movie was a carnival of horrors, but <laughs> that, that's an argument for another day. Um Okay, this story and continuity. We need to have an ar- uh, a discussion about this. Okay. So a Mexican cartel comes in called the Lobos, and they can turn into wolves. Uh, are these the same Lobos that were from the Jerry Conway Spectacular Spider-Man run? And here's, the, and here's why I wonder about this, okay? It seems like they're supposed to be. But if they are, somebody needs to check their facts, because someone messed up, okay? They had two brothers... Carlos and uh, I can't even remember the other brother's name, Eduardo. They mention in this story that one of the, the guy is named Carlos and he has they have a dead brother named Eduardo, right? I'm like, okay, so we're good so far. Uh, there's a sister with them and her name is Esmeralda. Okay, there is no Esmeralda Lobo, right? I, one of the two brothers was engaged to a woman named Esmelda, which is a similar but not exactly the same name. And by the way, Esmelda is supposed to be dead. And they never got married, so technically she's not even related to them, right? And then they can turn into wolves, except I don't think Esmelda could. So where the hell did that come from? But even more specific, even more importantly, nowhere at any point in any of these three issues is there even a single editor's note or reference in any of the pre-story material like the recap pages and stuff, that even establishes that these are characters that have appeared in a previous story. Steve Wacker, this is your fault. Somebody was asleep Actually, no, it's not his fault. <laughs> Somebody. He's a senior editor. <laughs> but it's t- Tom Brennan was the one that was actively editing okay. this book. But the point is, somebody, somebody fudged up right here, okay? Mm-hmm. And not only did they drive the car off the road, they drove the car off the road, wrapped it around a tree, the tree exploded, and burned everyone inside the car alive. Because okay, of the okay. <laughs> what? Okay, I'll, I'll say this. I think one of the Lobo brothers got killed. Yeah, Eduardo. I remember. And they mention in the story they have a dead brother named Eduardo. Okay. 
But where did this so, come from? How is she one of one of the sisters? And the sisters a new creation. Okay, isn't that a little fishy? <laughs> and she has a name that sounds exactly like the fiance of I can't remember if it was Eduardo or Carlos, honestly. But one of them had a fiance named named Esmelda, right? I I'm, I'm just I'm just telling you that's 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 the continuity. I would have liked I'm to have. Thinking, well, it's not he, impossible for such a thing to happen, but I'm not saying it's good. Something but. needs to be addressed somewhere in this story because it doesn't quite work and it just distracts from the whole story. The funny thing is, does anyone even remember who these characters are from the spectacular run? I mean, I don't. I, I don't. Yeah. That just brings up the next question, which is if you're going to reference other characters this obscure, Do it right. at least reference it. <laughs> they don't even I, actually I, reference the other stories at any point. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest with you. The production, and you talk about, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of get into my. This kind of this kind of brings me dovetails into my my points. The problem with this book, I liked the first two issues. The first issue. <laughs> oh, we're gonna knife fight in the back after this. The first issues, I would give solid Bs. They were in, engaging enough to make me interested, and in, in, and I didn't hate that they did that. They tried to address the elephant in the room, which is how did Kane get, come back from the dead with the Grim Hunt story? And this was this was their version of trying to explain that to people. So that in that regard I think it works. Uh, because it's already a previously established element in Spider-Man lore. Uh, see but you're you're saying that they explained how he was able to resurrect by having him resurrect again? Yes. This is also his third resurrection because the same thing happened in in uh oh god what is it um spectacular two twenty seven yeah well, I mean he's been, he's been killed twice already but I mean the previous one included all that crap that happened during Spider Island right so did no, this, that... I'm saying he when he died and came back in Grim Hunt he was a monster or whatever right and, and then in Spider yeah. Island he gets knocked into a vat that somehow makes <laughs> we're not even talking about that because that didn't make any sense but. The point is he came out as the cane that's in this series, right? Yeah. And then in this in this arc he, he gets the othered and comes back as the same cane? Like that's what's so confusing. Did they just undo what they did in Spider Island? Or did they just redo it the same exact way? In which case why did they bother? No, I mean I, you have an answer to that, because I'm I'm legitimately I, asking you, do you know? I I don't I don't know. Nobody could figure out how a clone, a deformed clone, would would come back from the dead as a giant human spider. It sounds to me like they're just trying you know what? Don't even bother. It's like the whole Zorn Magneto thing. Stop trying to explain it. You just make it even more complicated. But this way, meaning it means that that Kane. I don't, I'm not going to say he can't technically die, but it explains how he was able to come back from the dead all those other times using a already established ver- way of, of doing it. Mm. So in a way, you're right. <laughs> that kind of explains the Grim Hunt one, but it has nothing to do with the original when he came back, right? That doesn't quite work. Well, the are you talking about in the Clone Saga? Yeah. Well, the whole even though he got in, he got impaled with a giant piece of machinery, um, you were like a because you're like my father. Um, I think the jackal did some shenanigans with his genetic genetic structure. Okay, I, I was deliberately leading you here, okay? Because I, I was playing, I was being mean. I was playing a dirty trick on you. Um, that's a science explanation for a science project. Which is what Kane okay. is. He's a clone. Right. Which it brings us all back to that one overarching point. Why are we bringing mysticism into this? Because mysticism wasn't established until after the Clone Saga. The mysticism has nothing to do with Kane, though. It has to do with Peter Parker. And Kane is a broke-ass clone of Peter Parker. Which means Agreed. that technically the mystical angle shouldn't really apply to him, or if it does, it should apply to him in a very different way. And I don't think that story does either. Or this one, I mean. I, Cause I, he, I don't he comes disagree back with that. extremely similar to the way Peter did in the other. Like, extremely similar, like the same. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, <sighs> well, maybe they can I, use this the book thing, later on to explain th- how Peter lost his stingers. Yeah, I, I, I just think that... To me, that is how they're trying because the mysticism angle wasn't introduced in the '90s. It was introduced in the 2000s. They decided, okay, we can use this as an explanation as to how he comes back to life. I think 
It's the wrong move. Yeah, leave it. Leave it to the science realm. He's, well, the funny thing is, you can come up with so if, many if, interesting if, science explanations for that. If you even go back to is, well, the jackal has involvement with his resurrection. If you remember that Spider Island one shot, the jackal was there. The one with all the continuity error. The one with all, all the yes. continuity errors in it. We, the, we're the not bringing that into this argument. Are we? I think that I'm actually makes it worse. <laughs> yeah, it does make it worse because it does try to bring a science angle into it. Like if you if you completely omit that, it, it makes some some sense about how he comes back in Grim Hunt. But but it, if you remember the end of the JMS run, mm-hmm. um, are we talking about the end of Totem stuff or the end of his the entire yes. run, which is one more day? Yeah, uh, the uh, Totem stuff. Okay, the totem remember stuff. that final scene. Do you remember the final scene? Are we talking about <laughs> the 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 where Ezekiel dish where Ezekiel dies? Is that the scene? We're yes, talking yeah, about? yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Okay, mm-hmm. remember the, the guy uh, with the, you, this guy with the knife. There's a shaman guy with a knife. Okay. There's a shaman guy. He says, you call it science, we call it magic. I see no difference. So, there's that argument. <laughs> that's, not even, that's not an argument, that's a hand wave. We need Victor Von Doom to come in and explain this. <laughs> Victor Von Doom would just shrug and go, I don't fucking know. <laughs> Doom does not understand. And I'll, let me, I talked about the first two issues. Let me talk about the final issue because this is really where it falls off the rails. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I keep the final. No, no, that's fine. The, the final issue of this arc just absolutely just falls flat on its face. All the momentum that you have that is growing from the first two issues just completely just thuds. It ends with a thud. It just is, it just does not work. And it was... You talk about the production problems. This is really where the production problems started. Because between... I mean, I think this is Fam's... I think Fam did one more issue. I think he did... Didn't he do it? He made it on 16. I don't I don't have it right in front of me. He, 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 he did sixteen. He did. Okay, so he, he did. He, he does sixteen, but after sixteen, he—that's his last issue. So you lose your—you lose your artist, who really couldn't even do a consistent run anyway. You have, you know, fill-in work issue seventeen, really through issue through the Wolverine arc. Then you have Mark Chichetto, uh come in and do the issue of Scarlet Spider, or no, it may have been the issue team up. But you had a different artist for the uh, sibling rivalry arc. Then you have another different artist that did the final five issues. What does that tell you? Well, it's obvious Marvel didn't care too much about this book. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we've it, talked about this. It was it was getting slapped together and and troublesome at the end. And I wonder. I have a I lot of questions that, about this. There's a lot of when you, and especially with issue 25, it's so blatant the production errors. Uh, it is laughable. I mean, uh, my buddy, our buddy Kevin. Didn't you tell me? Did, didn't you tell me they put they put dialogue from one scene in the, uh, the wrong scene or something? Yeah, they completely screwed up dialogue. Something like that one happened. Of the, one of the yeah, they completely screwed up the dialogue in one of the pivotal scenes. They. <laughs> It, it, it just it really doesn't work. If you our good buddy Kevin Cushing, oh, we'll get to that issue. He, um, yeah, we will. He actually detailed it specifically. Went through in detail like that. He's like, there's one particular splash page that I just have to say. And he like at one point in his thought bubble says, I got it, uh, Annabelle and Araceli. They're too far away, and he has Araceli in his arm. <laughs> like, yeah, it gets better. It gets it gets oh it, my it, god, it, it gets better. It, Araceli's name is misspelled twice on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! This reminds you of that issue of Daniel Way's Ghostwriter, where the devil is like pointing at a, at a framed photograph, and he's like, "I've been meaning to get that framed." I'm like, "What? You want to get that framed photograph framed?" What? Well, it sounds like this book is quickly turned into Ed Wood's Plan Nine from Matter Space. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be a much better ending to this arc if if just like the the wall in the back of the studio fell down and we saw what was behind the the wolves or whatever. Yeah, it just to oh, me it, that's that's the hallmark of this issue. It just falls flat on its face. And so if I was to you know I would probably give a B a B minus and then a D for the last issue. B's my god. High five, I didn't hate high them. five in Gerard. All right, Greg, you're you're. I did. You're, that's why I'm doing them all. I know I didn't hate I didn't hate them either. I mean I guess I would give them I give the first two C's and the third one yeah D. Hmm. D. Why you guys are being real generous today? I have to give I I reserve my low grades for things that are really 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 bad. Really? Because this issue, these issues offended me. They they kind of did. Um. But anyway, we already know um, I'm giving all these F's. But let's. <sighs> uh, issues onward to a much better story. 
Oh yeah. All right. So that wraps up the in the, in the midst of wolves. Now we're going to talk about the issue sixteen of Scarlet Spider. It has the I know this is this is Gerard's all time favorite cover. It's Stegman referencing yes. the Superior Spider Man, which is the cover that he drew himself. Yeah. So, we're not even we're not even touching that. Um, by itself, right. it is a pretty good cover. I like the cover. Anyway, so the issue opens with a crumpled up note from Julia Day Carpenter in Brooklyn to a K Parker in Houston. It says, "You have to leave. She's coming back. Everyone will die. You have to leave. Go to Mexico like you wanted. She'll kill. She'll kill them all. I was wrong. I was wrong. I'm so sorry. Please, please." Have to leave Houston, and so then we have our recap page. Oh, you didn't mention the you didn't mention the most interesting thing about that note. Oh, I'm sorry. That there are certain letters that are browned out that that are different colors. That if you uh, write them out, that say Shathra, which is the uh, pers- the spider wasp we referenced earlier. Okay, so uh, we oh, have and, a recap uh, one, page. One other one, one other little BS thing. Three forty one Twentieth Street. That address that's on there. That's actually an address in Brooklyn. Oh, is it really? I don't know. It's just a random apartment. It's a random apartement. I don't even. I hope no one got any weird mail because of this. Yeah, I'm like, I, I really hope so myself. I don't know, maybe, maybe maybe a Marvel staffer lives there and they thought it was a gag or something, but uh, that's a little weird. And that's where Steve Blacker lives. <laughs> so this, the title of this story is A Good Old Fashioned Rodeo. Written by Chris Yost, art by Koi Fam, Palette, and Dezetia? Dezetia. And only on the one inks. inker this time. Oh, no, there was no, two. two. That's the man. Oh, yeah. I see, yeah. All right. So Some our... Artist our Stegman uh, and Delgado. Yeah. Oh, Stegman and Delgado did the cover art. Um... All right, so we open with the Four Seasons ho- at the Four Seasons Hotel, and uh, Kane can't sleep. Araceli is deciding to do some floating meditation. We have uh, upside down. a picture upside down. Yeah, we have a picture of uh, Spider Puss beating the living crap out of uh, Screwball and Jester. Um, there's a newspaper talking about the gang war in Houston. And then we see Kane's reflection, which is a spidery version of himself that keeps yelling. So then Donald and the cop walk into Kane's hotel room with cowboy hats on and cowboy attire. Kane says he's not going. You have Araceli, who sits there and keeps yelling rodeo because they're going to have barbecue. Kane keeps saying, no way, no way. Never. Never. And then, of course... You flip the page over, and Kane is in a is in a dark cowboy hat, saying to himself, "Kill me now." It's a rodeo, the Houston livestock show in a rodeo. It's a, at Reliance Stadium. All actual things that actually do happen. There's actually that that particular show in Houston. I don't remember what the specific dates are. So you know, Donald keeps telling Kane he needs to cheer up and enjoy himself, and Araceli keeps doing her random juju mind tricks with her with her crazy blue eyes which creeped everybody out then of course annabelle shows up with a very um sexy get up let's put it that way it's a cowgirl get up with uh that nobody in their right mind it is a cowgirl would wear okay midriffs are not usually exposed when yeah just saying <laughs> in fact he says annabelle nothing about this culture <laughs> i mean the outfit does exist but not that prevalent. And basically, he, she wears the outfit to get Kane's attention, which of course it does. So, Kane then brushes her off saying that, she's like, I'm so glad you're here, and Kane's like, that makes one of us. He's, she gets tears in her eyes and runs off. <laughs> Araceli then start, starts, starts, he asks what's her, what her problem is, and Araceli goes, her problem is that you are a big, fat, stupid idiot. The boys are like, she likes you, dude. You, you really can't be this oblivious. What? No. Uh, so, of course, uh, Araceli then pretty much tells her, you need to go, you know, chase after your woman. Needless to say, we uh, then cut to a news reporter who is covering the rodeo. After finishing his news report, tells him, wants to shoot himself in the face. <laughs> Literally. Who wouldn't says, you? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, he goes, because <laughs> he's, 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 he's a guy that covers human interest stories, but it doesn't get any type type of ratings. Kane catches up to Annabelle. They have a little bit of a chat. And, of course, Annabelle's ex-boyfriend shows up, this big, burly black man. Of course, he tries to uh, tries to accuse, he tries to say that Annabelle's his girl, which doesn't really go over well with Annabelle because apparently they have broken up. Kane, Kane gets shoved by Ray, but, Ray, but Kane has to control his, his, his emotions as, as his other side is trying to come out. Because you see a little, a little uh, caption box. Saying pray. Anyway, there was a giant rumble, and then the armadillo shows up. Yes, the armadillo. A real so, contender for the Sinister Six. 
Right. <laughs> now, the thing about the armadillo showing up, the, the, the hilarious part is, is the armadillo vomits because he's been drinking heavily because, well, yeah, he's looking for his daisy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the cops then, you know, are like, everybody need bring everything because it's the armadillo. Yes. Send everyone you've got. Swat everything. It's Armadillo. No, the supervillain. And then, of course, he's yelling, Daisy! 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 Yeah. That's all he's doing for, like, half of this. I'll do it. I'll be anything you want. Of course, then Kane, you know, has to suit up, and, well, then it becomes a real show. <laughs> so much of, the, of it being a show that... uh Araceli literally says, it's like Christmas and my birthday all rolled into one. Of course, the best image of the entire book, this is awesome, is Kane on a horse. Because, well, it's the fastest way. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, the armadillo and, and Kane fight. <laughs> of course, Kane starts noticing that the armadillo is actually crying. and starts talking about how, their lo- how his love with Daisy was real. Kane is incredulous to this because it's all about a girl. He yells out, I love her. Of course, then Kane pulls the old adage, if you love her, you have to let her go. Then, of course, Daisy runs out to her Antonio, which is the alter ego of Mr. Armadillo. And they have a, uh, a tears-filled embrace about how they have reaffirmed their love to each other. Kane literally cannot understand anything. The reporter, who uh, wanted to shoot himself earlier, realizes very quickly that that the uh, armadillo is not the story. The Scarlet Spider is the story. And we're going to find out who he is. Dum-dum-dum! Well, I've got about 200 issues that could explain it to him. Right. <laughs> Needless to say, Ray, Ray uh, is has got a hold of Annabelle in there, and he is uh, pol- not so politely escorting her out of the building. Kane then walks up in front of him without his cowboy hat on. Ray asks if there's a problem. Do you know who I am, boy? I'm the juggernaut, <laughs> bitch! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the juggernaut. That, all right, because he gets punched straight in the face. After he gets punched in the face, Kane grabs Annabelle and just plants one on her. Then, of course, Araceli, seeing this with her magic juju powers, yells out, best rodeo ever. We then get the obligatory appearance of Craven the Hunter. Yes, soon, Anna. Soon, as in literally nine issues, but soon, Anna. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, we then cut back to two days earlier. The creepy note that was uh, sent to the Four Seasons Hotel. Annabelle confiscates the note and, not wanting to have Kane leave town, subsequently burns it. And that is how the issue ends. Next, snicked. Yes. But you know what that means. <laughs> Movie tie-in crossover. Yay. So you know I love those. So, all right, Gerard, give your thoughts. Uh, this isn't bad. It's not great or anything like that, but it's a lot of fun. Um, it's definitely a good palate cleanser after the last story. And, uh, it's a nice little light story and some good character beats in it. I mean, it's a dumb plot, but it's it's good dumb. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's it's not the kind of dumb that makes your brain hurt. It's the kind of dumb that just makes you sort of look at it and go, hey, you know, that's a cute little thing. Okay. Um, it's very it's, Silver Age. Yeah, it is. It's a very, it's a Silver Age Spider-Man story. You know, he goes, well, he's doing some Peter Parker stuff. I mean, well, I'm making the analogy here. He's doing Kane stuff because he's Kane. But he's doing some, you know, civilian stuff. And, you know, he gets drawn into being in the costume. He has to run away from his girl for a little while. And he takes care of the villain thing. And then he goes back to his girl and all is well, you know. It's very nice. I like that kind of stuff. And, again, one-shot story. Nice little thing to squeeze between a couple of uh, lengthy arcs. Or, well, not really that lengthy. It's only three issues each arc, but still. And, uh... Of course, it's always nice to see uh, somebody in a sexy cowgirl outfit. <laughs> Which leads into my con, because unfortunately that sexy cowgirl outfit is drawn by Koi Uh No, he wasn't that terrible on this issue. It, was, it helped that, you know, consistent inking this time. But uh, there, I, I much, don't know. much more. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, though. So I didn't. I still didn't like the art. In particular, there's one... Uh, I almost don't know how they could have avoided this, because I know as, a, as an artist, I hate having to draw crowds. But there is this really lazy Photoshop effect that they use to put the crowd in the background of every panel. And it is quite literally... He draws, like, the structure of the stadium, like where the decks are and, you know, the stairwells and things like that. 
And then they Photoshop in... I mean, somebody took a photo of just the crowd, and then they just edited it into the background every time, and it just looked terrible. Especially on the edges where you see where he started to draw in a few heads, and then just was like, eh, whatever. And then they just pasted the thing on top of it. It looks real bad. And every single panel uses the same <laughs> technique, and it's just... Sometimes they blur it out to try to, like, you know, detract a little bit away from it. But by and large, it's there the whole time. So you're looking at, you know, the artwork and stuff, and then all of a sudden there's just a bunch of Skittles behind them in every single panel. It's really, really awful looking. Um, but other than that, that. I mean, there's nothing really bad about the story. I mean, I don't think this uh, fake Ken Ellis ever shows up again, does he? No. I mean, this reporter guy. Yeah. Like, fake Ken Ellis. So there's another plot. There's a, there, he really is just the Ken Ellis of the story. They even sort of look... He even sort of has the same hairstyle, except that Ken Ellis was a, had brown hair, but... Yeah. I mean, like, just another plot line they just threw out there that never went anywhere, but yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not bad. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Greg? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a B-minus kind of story, I would say. I enjoyed the story quite a bit, also way more than for season three issues, and I think what got me is I could really empathize with Kane here. I mean, those of you who know me, I mean, I'm a New Yorker, and I don't own a cowboy hat. I will never, ever wear a cowboy hat, and I... I just, I have never been... You will wear one. <laughs> uh-huh. And I, and I can't ever see myself going to a rodeo, so when I see Kane here, Kane here just not wanting to be there, I'm like, yeah, I know how you feel, Kane. I wouldn't go to one of these either. It was, I mean, I, I could really, he was an avatar for me in these scenes, and also at the same time just watching him make a complete ass of himself with Annabelle, who... Whenever I see that name, I think of Eek the Cat's girlfriend, and you're old if you get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I got that reference. Oh god, and she even has the pink hair. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, although, although, although Annabelle was no, uh, oh my god, I suddenly forgot the name of the cop from, uh, from Bonkers, god, Miranda. <laughs> well, yes, there you go, she's no Miranda, of course. But anyway, and actually, I was once at a party when I was a teenager that I didn't particularly want to be at, and a girl did say to me, I'm so glad to see you here, and I said, eh, that makes one of us, I did say that, so, yeah, she yeah. didn't run off crying, but let's just say that was the very, as Kane learned, that's the very wrong thing to say. But, um, yeah. it was a fun issue, and Kane riding a horse is a great image. Hilarious. Again, it's the whole, it's the whole fish... Yeah, it's the whole fish-out-of-water thing that I enjoy. I mean, I, it's the same reason I like my cousin Vinny. You take the New Yorker, and Kane is a New Yorker, even though he's a clone. You put him in the South, or in this case, Texas, and I relate to this. I mean, I've been to Texas a few times. I enjoy Texas. I've been to the Houston area, but I know nothing about the culture. And, Zach, do you own a cowboy outfit like this? Oh, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's required wearing if you're going to be in, in Texas. So, there's that. Okay. Um, <laughs> really? What's, what's your grade? Yeah. What's your grade? I give it a B. I had a give lot of fun with it. I mean, yeah, the art could have been better, but it wasn't bad. And I, again, I'm not Gerard. I'm not an artist. I don't have the same eye for this sort of thing that he does. I mean, I thought it mostly added up. I mean, I, the reporter, yeah, this is a fucking rodeo. At the same time, even I'm saying, I wouldn't go to rodeo either, but dude, shut up. You're just being condescending. Well, and I yeah. Think a nice yeah. way of putting it. That's true. So, and, uh, is that, and that made me wonder, is that reporter character from the Houston area? Is he from elsewhere, like Kane? And I don't know. Uh, never. I don't think we've seen this guy before or since. <laughs> or since, yeah. And there you go, like George said, another plot line that's introduced and nothing's done with it. And I don't think this character's ever going to show up again, even in New York Warriors. <laughs> but that's not this yeah. issue's problem. No. I'm going to say this. This was the best issue of 2013. Uh, and I'm going to give it an A. Well, <laughs> that's uh, oh, much to look forward to in these future episodes, then. <laughs> um, of yeah, Scarlet Spider. I know, still. So. Uh, so, I'm just going to, like I say, I've I've thought about it, and I, I decided I'm going to give this an A-. The artwork didn't kill it for me. In fact, I really didn't even notice that effect that you that you mentioned, Gerard, until you actually said it to me in this episode. So, <laughs> and now you can't unsee it. 
No, I cannot see it. But but I'm going to still maintain my my grade of A minus. This really to me was a absolutely fun issue that pretty much highlights everything you like about this book. It it brought in the really really good supporting cast that yeah over a over the process of a year and well a year and a quarter has just really just charmed you into into liking this book and I absolutely feel like that this was just so much fun and I think that I think the plots were moving forward and I think my problem with the much of the rest of the year that you're going to run into is the Wolverine arc the sibling rivalry so for four months you really don't see the supporting cast which is what makes the show great or makes, makes the show great which was what makes the book great is that supporting cast? It's not just Kane and Araceli. So part of what hooked me was the Kane, but what kept me was was the supporting cast. So I really like this issue because I mean it's it's fun. It's it's fun to see Kane in an element that's n- completely and utterly foreign to him, and uh, just mm-hmm. it, the the uh, like I say the all really epic image of, of Kane on a horse is all you need to know. Yeah, and I'm imagining Zach's dragging me to a rodeo if I'm ever in Texas after this review. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, have, I will definitely. I'm not a rodeo fan. Personally. Yeah, but I, okay. But after I said what I said, of course he would drag me to one. Oh yeah, yeah. But I'm yeah. I, but suffer. Suffer. Yeah, like I said, I oh, and I agree. The I would drag you to one to one too, George. And I think the supporting cast is unfortunately going to go away when Kane makes the jump to New Warriors, and that's uh, unfortunate because you know these oh, characters yeah. are never going to pop up again. Yeah, I mean well, it's not like Spider Man's cast. Betty Brant will always be back. Well, Araceli well, is going to be in the New Warriors book, right? Yeah, yeah she she's will, the only she. She's the only one. Right. Like, of of the five supporting cast members, Araceli's the only one. Because Donald is, is uh in a in basically an in intensive care. The cop is angry at him because because of what happened with Donald. Uh Annabelle gets scared away because she finally sees him for who he is. Spoiler alert. And so his left is Araceli. Mm-hmm. So. It's really it's, it's disappointing, really, because you look at issues like this. This is how you pay off having a good supporting cast. You throw them all together in a story, and you just let them bounce off each other, and and, and it's fun seeing all their different. I, I think it, this is this is the type of story he wanted to write more, but I think there may have been some editorial influence. I know it's one of the reasons why Spider Man's always been so great. It's not just Peter Parker; he's got the best supporting cast in all of comics. Yeah, yeah. It, it's sitcom. You put them in a situation, and comedy ensues. Yeah, that's exactly what you do. You take good characters, you throw them together, and watch what happens. I mean, as a, as a writer, it almost—I'd imagine—it almost sort of takes over a life of its own at that point. Where you just—if the characters are, are delineated well enough, this is an easy story to write. Yeah, and, and as a guy that's written, you know, written written a book with a bunch of supporting—well, granted, it's fan fiction—but as a guy that's written stuff in the past. A lot of the a lot of the story and a lot of the scenes and the interplay is just how would these people interact w- with each other, and a lot of times it writes itself. And this is one of those issues that it seemed like to me that it just wrote itself. Kane and the supporting cast at a rodeo go. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had to go mess it up by having you know Craven show up. You got to have that obligatory nonsense, but yeah. Although I do find it amusing that they were just there at a rodeo. I guess, what did they just, did they follow Kane in there? Craven. Yes. That's, that's, that's. Can, uh, can you imagine? Like, I almost wanted to see. Like, all right, can you imagine Craven like standing in line to get tickets to a rodeo? And Sergei like, Craven off likes rodeos. <laughs> exactly. It would just be so ridiculous. You just got him standing there. Like. At the ticket counter, yeah. he, he, pull, he pulls out some gold coins or something to pay with. They're like, "Sir, we need American currency." He's like, "Ah, oh, uh, bastards! <laughs> you, you, you backwoods idiots!" <laughs> Back in the home, other country, this would have never happened. If this was in Russia, you would have been shot. Mother Russia and Mother Africa, curse you! No, no, I don't think he actually went into the rodeo. I think he just followed him to the rodeo and was waiting. Well, there he got in somehow. He's in the crowd somehow. 
Or Craven. Yeah, I thought he was. I, or Craven. I thought he was in the com- commentary. Or Craven's a closet rodeo fan. Who knows? I also find it very amusing that he's wearing a, a standard like button-down shirt. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is this his off-day clothes? Like, you, you noticed it was yellow. It couldn't be anything other than yellow because that's the color of his, most of his vest. <laughs> it's Casual Friday. It, this is this is Casual Weekend. This is what I wear on the weekends when I want to have, when I want to go get some fruit from the fruit stand. Calypso uh, <laughs> always likes the rodeos. Yeah, <laughs> I or his previously unseen wife Sasha that they just introduced randomly in Brand New Day because he needed a wife for some reason. Yep. Uh, well, I hate you. I hate well, you. I mean, it, it's not a it, it's a plausible retcon. Mm-hmm. It's one of one of his many wives. I mean, the guy was a slut. We knew this. Yeah, with all the bastard children he has. Exactly. So, oh god, all right, don't guys. even start. <laughs> so, uh, guys, I think that wraps up this show. Yeah. So we're gonna wrap it up right there. Um, next time here on Clone Saga Chronicles, I'm uh, not so excited to cover this next group of issues. Yes. Recovering Cyber War, issues two of Amazing, Spectacular, The Web of, and Adjectiveless Scarlet Spider. So we'll have a full get, we'll have Josh and Don back for that one. All right, we'll wrap this show up right about there. We'll see you next time here when we cover Cyber War as well. But uh, if you want to be on that episode, you've got a couple of different ways of doing it. You can send us an email about your thoughts, you can leave us a voicemail at 818. 818- Nine two five six six three one. The email address is clonesuckerchronicles at gmail.com. And you can also leave us a review on iTunes. We will read that on the show. So please leave us an email, voicemail, something for us to read with the guys next time. Here on Clone Soccer Chronicles, a spidey-dude.com production. <laughs>